Well, it is a pleasure to share the Word of God with you this morning. And uh, I, I look out through the audience and I've, I see some faces that I haven't seen for a while and some that are really good friends that uh, are a blessing uh, to me. And I know some family that is in town right now. And uh, uh, what a joy, what a joy. I want to, I want to, um, I changed my message today. Uh, I, I guess that's probably maybe understandable considering the circumstances. I believe that God wants to um, minister comfort to his family, to the body of Christ, to each one, each member. The Bible talks about how if one part suffers, uh, every part suffers with it. Every part suffers with it. And I believe that we serve the God of all hope who is the God of all comfort who wants to come and wants to help us in our time of grief and in our time of loss. Um, not the easiest thing to navigate, is it? As I share these things today, I'm reminded of people throughout this audience and this church and those of you that are watching us online, which we welcome today, God would comfort you. I'm reminded of the fact that Mark didn't just go to heaven and Mark wasn't just promoted to heaven, but so many of us are experiencing grief and loss in so many different ways. And even recently, um, this family um, numerous loved ones have passed on recently. And uh, we love you. And uh, pray for you, Deborah, passing of your brother, Derek. Deborah Weeb, her dad. Elaine, your dad. Our young adults, their friend, Justin. Death is one of those things that is so permanent. Can't change it. And yet we grieve that loss. And somehow in all of this, God is God. And we ask the questions. In our lives, there are many other kinds of grief and loss that we experience, and it's very real. We've had families from this church whose homes have burnt down. All the stuff in there is gone, and very, very hard. But they can, they can build another house, and they keep the memories. The keepsakes are gone. But lives, very permanent. Relationships run into problems. And there's grief and loss and separation and divorce and all kinds of things that occur that also stir up in us very, very deep emotions and pain. I'm so grateful today as I hear children crying more than ever before in my whole life in this last few months. During worship, I heard 
someone carry a child out that was crying in the middle of the service. And, um, you know, when you, when you lose people that you love and or people that you love are very, you come very close to losing them. All of a sudden, what's important at the end of the day becomes really, really important. People. I heard this child crying and it got a little quieter as they headed out the back. And I, I thought, oh, thank you, Lord, for life. So in the middle of struggling with what death is and grief and loss, we celebrate life. We worship Jesus today. And I think it's James, he says, if you're, if you're in trouble, you should pray. And he says, if you're happy, you should sing. And if you're sick, you should call the elders to come and let anoint you with oil and pray for you. And the prayer offered in faith makes a sick person well. Bible teaches us lots, and, and I want to just help you navigate one of the hardest things that you are navigating in your life. And you may not have even known Mark Thomas, but grief. Grief is one of the hardest things because we can't change it. It says in 1 Peter 1 verses, I think halfway through verse 5 and 6, it says, through faith, you and I are shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. The wonderful part in that is that there's a faith that we have and can have if we don't have it, wherein we trust and believe in God and live in God and He in us, and we're shielded, literally shielded, protected by His power, even though we go through grief, even though we go through trials and we go through terrible and difficult suffering and times of weightiness. God is present and able, but it's, notice it's through faith in him. I can't imagine personally at this point in my life not knowing the comfort of God, and I want to encourage you in the comfort of God that is there for you. You see, grief is absolutely inevitable. You and I can do nothing about Grief happening. We can't do anything about it happening. It's going to happen. You can't prepare for it, really. You can anticipate it, and you know it's coming. But you and I have to go through it. There's no grief switch, is there, sister? Sisters. I'm looking at a couple of our dear friends here that lost loved ones. There's no switch that we can just turn off and go, okay, today's not a good day. I got to go to work. I got to go preach. I got to go look after my family. I have to go look at the after the grandkids. There's no switch, the light switch that I can turn off today because I'm feeling the pain of the separation with my loved one, whether it's because they're passed away or because we're not in a good place right now. I can't just turn the switch off. And so what happens is Grief in us turns on, all on its own. 
and we begin to weep or we begin to feel heaviness. We may feel depressed and sad and not sure what to do. But I want to encourage you today, the one thing not to do is to run into a cave and hide. It's a temptation. It's a temptation in the middle of your struggle and the grief. The, sometimes the living grief is, I don't, I, I, I'd say it's harder because sometimes it's the pain of someone still alive, but we're in grief with them, over them, in conflict. There's people that are being threatened to lose jobs today. And it's, how do, you, how do you get ready for that? And then all of a sudden these things happen. And I know those aren't maybe permanent from that job. So there is a permanence in loss. And we are here to navigate it. I want to encourage you not to run and hide. There's, it's important for us to express our grief with one another. John 11, verse 17 to 37 is a story in the scripture that we have and it's a story where Jesus is grieving with Mary and Martha. Because, and Jesus is grieving because his friend Lazarus has died. It says here in verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem, and many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would have not, wouldn't have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe this? He asked. I asked. Verse 27, yes, Lord, she replied, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, who is to come into the world. After she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary aside. The teacher's here, she said, and asking for you. It's wonderful when Jesus asks for you. I think he's asking to see you. When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and she went to him. Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at, at the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her, noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. And when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet. Thanks, Anaya. Appreciate it. Lord, if you'd been there, my brother would not have died. 
When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and troubled. Sorry, there's the switch. I shouldn't say sorry. Why do we do that? You don't need to say sorry for grief. He was deeply moved in spirit, troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked, come and see, Lord, they replied. And then we have this most beautiful, shortest, briefest, meaningful verse in whole of scripture. What does it say? Jesus wept. Jesus wept over the loss of his friend. Mary and Martha were weeping. Those that had come to comfort Mary and Martha were weeping. The Jews said, see how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Questions, 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 questions. Why now could it have not been another way? The first thing I want to say about this is that grief, grief and loss and the experience of it is uniquely personal and it's very, very different for every person and we all respond differently and I want to say it's okay. It's okay. Man, is it okay. When did it not become okay? Sorry. Sorry. It says in verse 20, it says, when Martha heard that Jesus was com coming home, she went out to meet him. It said Mary stayed at home. But Mary stayed at home. Some of you have, know what that means. I, my emotion is too much. I can't let them see me like this. I, I've got to get composure before I do see them. And then when you do see them, you begin to weep. And the very thing you were trying to protect them from seeing in you, all of a sudden it's coming out like crazy. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm so overtaken. It, the switch got turned on. The moment I saw you because I know you love me and you care. But Mary, Mary stayed at home. And that's okay. That's okay. Mary just needed a little bit more time. She didn't know how she was going to be able to handle it. It's just it with grief. We don't know how we're going to handle it. And yet, somehow, we're going to handle it. I want to say, place no expectations on people that are grieving. Don't place any expectations on them of how they should grieve, how they should act, what they should do, and what they shouldn't do. It's interesting an example of this would be, you know, a married couple. One of them passes away and is gone. And then there's grief and sorrow. And a few months later, they remarry. And some of the kids are frustrated and angry. And they're grieving the loss of their father and mother. But then 
their father and mother just all of a sudden rebounded and married someone, not wanting to be alone. Place no expectations on anyone. Everybody grieves differently. One's not worse. One's not better than the other here. But we don't understand because we don't grieve like each other. Things and situations that impact us in relationships and difficulties that we're going through today, what may affect me one way affects you in a totally different way. And that doesn't make you weak or weaker than I. It provides an opportunity, a place where I can love you and you can receive love from me and from one another because of the pain. So we come alongside one another and you see that in this story. But the vital part of grief is that we need to experience it so that we heal. Sorrows heal us. Sorrowing heals us. For us not to sorrow and not to grieve, it elongates the healing power and the comfort that is ours in the middle of it. It says in Luke 6, 21, it says, the last half, it says, Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. You will laugh. And it's a promise in here is that weeping ends. Sorrow ends. Weeping ends. And again, Jesus said in Matthew 5, 4, he said, Blessed are those who mourn. He says, they will be comforted. Don't hide your grief forever. Allow your grief to be carried by other people. The other part of grief is that grief struggles for answers. Grief struggles for answers and sometimes, most of the time, it doesn't make sense. But death and loss demand answers. We want to know why. We try and make sense out of what doesn't make sense. Lord, Martha says, said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Not just Martha, Mary. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Sometimes the Lord gets blamed when someone dies. Sometimes the Lord gets blamed when things go sideways. Sometimes the Lord in heaven gets blamed. And you know what? He has big enough shoulders for that because he loves you. And if it's you crying out to him and saying, why, why now? Like, why now? Did this have to happen? You're able, you're able to heal and raise up and do miracles. Why? I don't know why. I'm your pastor. I don't know why. I really don't know why. And sometimes I don't get to know why. And sometimes you don't get to know why. But grief struggles for answers. And even though God gets blamed, it's because sometimes we know he's able to change the circumstances and we go, well, why didn't you? Did you restore maybe? You know, I, I think of our dear Mark. 
He's restored. He's whole. He's healed. And I can say that with courage and boldness because I know it's true. But notice it does not stop the grief and the loss that you and I experience. Or his wife, his brother. Do you and I? This is in the Bible. You and I? We're seated in heavenly places. God sees us in heaven with him. We're, he sees us seated there with him. That's what he sees. We don't see what he sees. We hear and we get revelation understanding from Scripture, but we don't grasp it because we're temporal. By faith, we begin to grasp it and it helps us. And, and this is that thing that you hear sometimes at Christian funerals, memorials, and celebrations of life is we don't grieve as the rest of the world. Oh, we grieve. But not the same. We grieve, but we see and know that we're going to see one another again in glory. And we know that, that, that we, as Jesus said, he's the resurrection and life. And though we die, we don't really die. We get promoted into glory. We are spirit. And we go and live forever and ever. And it's more life. It's, it's a more real life, a more enduring whole life than even this is and from our, our vague understanding of it than what we experience here right now. Hard to comprehend. But we grieve. When you're trying to make sense of it, trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Lean into comfort. Lean into the God of all comfort. And when you pray, just say, thank you, God. I don't understand. But he promises in Philippians 4, 7, the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. This is that the, 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 our, through faith we are shielded by God's power because he's ever present now in enduring in love and comfort for you and I to give us a peace, to shield us in the middle of it as with gratitude we say, Lord, I don't understand, help me. Help me to believe and help me to have faith and help me to be comforted. I don't understand. I'll give you a piece that bypasses your understanding right now that will do something absolutely supernatural. I'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Listen, I can say that I've lived on this. I've lived on this. I, I've lived on this word. I've taken God at his word and and, and when peace is gone, and I can't do it, and you can't do it, and you can't endure, and you can't go on, and the world has just ended, and your little, your little, your little dot on the planet in that moment, it's so real, and you're, you're, you're in a manhole that's sucking you to nowhere land because of what has just happened in that moment, and I can't go on. You know what I'm talking about because that's common. In all of our lives, this, him, he, my Lord. <sighs> I can't do it on my own. I can't. I can't. I never have been able to. When I do it on my own, it sucks. <laughs> when I do it on my own, it's arrogance. When I do it on my own, it's my power and ability, which is very limited. Whatever you are going through today, you can't do it on your own. 
need God. You need others. One of the other things we see in this story, it's my point number three, if there is such a thing in a message like this, is that grief needs friends. Grief needs people. You say, well, I don't have any. And that's painful. But there are people. There are people. There are people who care. There's, there's some very wonderful people in the world that are called Christians who love God with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. And they love their neighbor. They love others like they love themselves. Those people sometimes that you will meet are brand new acquaintances who come alongside and begin to weep with you and just be there when you're sad. Those people are there. Say, well, they're not there for me. I say, yes, they are. Yes, they are. The hard part of grief is we crawl into the cave and they're not. But it's the best time to pick up the phone or type an email. I had an email. I think I can say this here. I had an email a month and a half ago from someone that is grieving. I can't say what, but multiple things. And had actually called me to be involved to help minister to someone they loved who was in palliative care. Palliative, palliative, I probably say that word wrong. And I said, how are you? Not good. Not good. Not just this person who's passing, but this happened in my life, and this, and this, and this. <sighs> Jesus in you gives you the <sighs> for people. Not everybody, because you don't know everybody. But you know people. I spent an hour or and a half on the phone with this person. Oh, it's so good to talk to somebody about all this. Because grief and loss needs friends. We read in the story in verse 19, many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in their loss of their brother. It says they were in, their, in the house, present and comforting her. And then in verse 33, we see that when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along were with her were also weeping, he was deeply moved and he wept. It says in 2 Corinthians 1, verse, partway through verse 3 and into verse 4, the Bible says this, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. This is worth reading a second time. Watch this. The Father of compassion and the God of all comfort. He's the God of all comfort. He's not lacking in, his, in, in the comfort area, in the spectrum of the volume of comfort that is available. Who comforts us in our troubles. List your troubles and the loss, the pain, and all that. He's the God of all comfort, 
who comforts us in our troubles so that we can, look at this, so that we can, when we begin to experience that we can comfort those in any trouble, any trouble they're going through. Well, they're not going through the same trouble as me, but we can comfort them in any trouble with the comfort that we ourselves also receive from the God in heaven in our lives when we're going through that trouble and we rely on him. We can. A man that I knew way back when I was in the farming industry, Christian man, he lost his, his leg in an equipment accident. He was in the hospital and in recovery, and there was a man who came to see him who I also became acquainted with years later. So I didn't know the story until I was like in my 40s, and this happened back when I was like 17. And this, this man, some of you know him, his name, name, name is Don, lost his hand in an equipment accident. And he told me, he says, you know, Mitch, I went and sat in the chair beside this man who lost the leg, who I was not I was not close to, but I was acquainted with, and I sat in the chair, and I wept. And I wept with him. So I didn't say anything. I didn't know what to say. What do you say? This is why sometimes we don't show up in the house. I'm not a pastor. I'm not... I'm not equipped to know what to say. You don't have to say anything. You can say, I don't know what to say. There's no words. But I can pray and I can be with you. There's people that need you with them right now. In whatever they're going through. And you don't have to be their counselor. You're not their therapist. You're not their God by far. They may not even have a God, the God of heaven, Jesus, in their lives. But you do. And you can come alongside them and, and help them, even though you're not going through exactly the same thing. You don't have to go through the same thing to be able to comfort them. Because the comfort that you've received is the comfort they need and it's a comfort from God and it's one that you know personally because God has comforted you in the middle of that. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I don't want to lose a loved one to suicide. I don't know what that's like. I can only imagine. But I know who my God is and I can come and sit with you. I'll hold your hand. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. But I can comfort you with God's comfort. Just like this person on the phone who's not okay. Grief needs friends. Grief needs friends, and it needs 
you in their house. Friends are, friends like that are, are like comforters. Comforters, you know, those big puffy warm blankets, you know, that you wrap around yourself and put your, grab a nice warm cup of tea or coffee and put your feet up by the fire. Sounds like Little House on the Prairie, sorry. Um, we have fires in our house, so fi- fires in the fireplace, that is. And, um, but friends are like comforters. Sometimes for years and years and years. And even just the effort that you put in to try and understand, even though you don't understand, but you provide a place where they can just have the switch go on and they can cry and they can say how much it hurts. And it's so beautiful that you and I can, can actually bring that level of comfort simply by being there with two ears and two eyes looking at them. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And then, and you think, well, then I'm, I should probably be saying, well, you know, I went through that a few years ago, and I know how you feel. You don't know how they feel. Remember that. You don't know how they feel. You just, you don't. And sometimes that's the worst thing to say because you don't know how they feel. And now they're like, you don't know how I feel. I'm so sorry this hurts so much. It's the best answer. Someone to cry with. Someone to hold you. Someone with whom your emotions are safe. Someone who makes an effort to understand. Let me end with this. Jesus grieves with you. You see Jesus in this story. This is the real Jesus. This is the real Jesus walking on the earth, flesh and blood, fully God and fully man. Jesus wept. Jesus grieves with you in whatever you are grieving today. And if you haven't experienced and you're not experiencing that, I don't know about you, but I I feel like Jesus does this with me. Jesus does that for you. Every sadness and every sad situation that you are in right now. This is Jesus. This is the son of the God of all comfort who lives in you, the spirit of Christ who lives in you. And who is he? His name is Comforter. His name is Comforter. Holy Spirit Comforter. Jesus wept. When he saw them weeping, it says that he was deeply moved. His whole insides began to shake and began to feel what they felt. And they would have experienced that 
by his presence as now he's Jesus, but you see, we get to also bring that same comfort. It says of Jesus to you today, Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely Jesus took up our pain and bore our sufferings, yet we considered him punished by God and stricken by him and afflicted. We considered that was like what that was. Yes, it was. But he took up our pain and our suffering. All in and himself. If you're brokenhearted today, that's so real, right? He says, I am close to the brokenhearted, and I save those who are crushed in spirit. That's for you in what you are in today because you're brokenhearted. He's close. How close? Let him be close because he saves. He saves in his closeness. Let him. Let him let others come close. He says, I won't abandon you. I better have Trish come in the band. I won't abandon you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. God in heaven says, I won't abandon you. Nothing can separate you from my love. Not the deepest depth or the highest height nor the demons or the devils from hell itself can separate you from my love. You think I would abandon you? Oh, he won't abandon you. My peace I give to you. My peace I leave with you. I don't give it as the world gives. So don't be afraid. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You might be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. But you're, he's with you. You can say, for he is with me, his rod and his staff, they comfort me. I'm not going to fear any evil. Lord, you're with me. You're going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. There's going to be a time where there's no more of this. No more death or mourning, crying or pain. And this old order of things that we're experiencing right now in Revelation says it'll all pass away. Because Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. 
Do you believe this? God offers you faith in the middle of grief to shield you. You may have walked in here today surrounded and weighed down by the weight of your grief. There's faith for you today in God. He's here to comfort you in your brokenheartedness and to save you in your grief. He says, the ones who believe in me will live even though they die. You may be dying now even though no one has died. Your faith can shield you in the middle of that living death that you're experiencing and that grief you're going through right now. And the grief of real permanent loss of a loved one or what looks like the permanent loss in a relationship. And he says, do you believe this? It's ours to believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord. Experience the hope therapy. The God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hope therapy for you and I in God and comfort rehab <laughs> in Jesus' name.